Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Hopefully you're getting the theme this morning. Here I am, use me, right? Take my life. And uh, I'm looking at the time, and already mindful of the time. As we move into Jonah, we're leaving James behind, we're moving into Jonah, and I'm looking at the passage, and I think we may have bitten off more than we can swallow. Wait for it. But um, it's a good pastor joke. Okay, great. (laughs) But the book of Jonah is a very familiar passage. We know this story so well because we grew up hearing it. It's like... It's like uh, games that we play when we're children, right? So raise your hand if you have never played the game hide and seek. Right, everyone has played it. We're all familiar with the game. Super easy. You, you get one person that stands in the middle. You set your boundaries. You cover your eyes, and that person counts one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ready or not, here I come. And everyone else playing in the game goes and hides, and your object is to find them. Right? We're so familiar with the rules that when we give these instructions, you're like, I already know the, how to play the game, Pastor John. You don't need to tell me. But what's fun is in youth ministry, we get to explain rules and we change things up quite a bit. So what I want to do, I'm, so one of the ways we play hide and seek, we call it reverse hide and seek. Right? And, and we set the boundaries Okay, you've never played this game before, I promise. We set the boundaries and one person volunteers to be it. And they close their eyes and, we, and everyone is gathered around them. And we say 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And in the midst of the countdown, all the students, within the parameters we've given them, take off running to go hide. But the person who's it cannot move. They can spin 365 degrees, and the object of this hide-and-seek game is to spot students who are hiding in bushes, underneath chairs, and the goal is to say, hey, I got you, I see you, Anna, you're it, okay, you have to come out of the game. And so it's a new set of rules, a new game, a new idea, and I think if we're not careful, sometimes... We tune out when we hear something that is familiar. And I'm hoping, my hope and my prayer this morning is to show you a side of Jonah that you've never seen before. A sign of the prophet of God, not a false prophet, because God calls him his prophet to speak the good news, to proclaim the good news, and to speak and be a mouthpiece of God. The great thing about Jonah is it's a very familiar narrative. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd invite you to open them with me. And we're going to read chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Now, if you're flipping through your Bible and you're at Daniel, you're not quite there. You're pretty warm. Um, When you get to, like, Joel, you're getting warmer. Um, If you're, like, Habakkuk, now you're going colder. If you're in, like, Matthew, you're, like, super cold. So, um, just you, if it's very short, it's four chapters. Hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. 
But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to their own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea and lightened the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How are you asleep? Get up! And call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us. And we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. It is a very familiar story, much like the familiar game Hide and Seek. But this is This narrative, this prophetic narrative is filled with irony. If we're not reading carefully, we miss the irony that is seeping through chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. Let me give you a couple examples of the irony, right? Jonah's not like the typical prophet, right? I'll I'll give you that much, Steve. He's not like the typical prophet. Um, He doesn't have like prophetic utterances that he says over and over again, calling the people back to God. He really has like two. And the one, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. There's the prophetic utterance, right? Because that's what happens. There are no oracles like there are in Obadiah and other minor prophets. He kind of doesn't fit the mold very well. So it's fairly ironic that he's a prophet. The book itself is is hysterical, is historical narrative that really should be found in 2 Kings because that's where we get a reference to Jonah the prophet as he worked alongside of the northern kingdom. (laughs) Jonah is called, but he runs from God. Really? And 
when he proclaims the, the message of God, he kind of does it just like bare minimum. <laughs> right? Here's the bare minimum message, right? 40 days and you're going to be destroyed and that's it. He does the bare minimum, but there are unbelievable life-changing moments in Nineveh and in the sailors and hopefully in us. Right? The best part is, did you catch it? (laughs) He tells the sailors, he's a Hebrew and he worships the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, right? The one who created the sea. And where does he go? To the sea? That doesn't seem like it's quite logical in my mind. There is so much irony built in this small life of Jonah. This small book. And so many people have, tr- have set up the theme of this book, right? Maybe it's God's sovereignty. Yes, and, and that makes sense. Maybe it's uh, God's in control, and that certainly is true. Maybe it's, it's God's unrelenting grace. Because he continu- God continues to pursue Jonah no matter where he goes. We don't quite get this in the English translations of this. But he spirals kind of downward. And if we're not careful, we miss this moment in his life. Right? He heads, he runs away first from the Lord, as if you can do that. And he goes down to Joppa. He goes down to the ship port. He goes down below deck and he falls into a deep, deep sleep. This prophet seems to be kind of out of control. But what we do see is in his downward spiral, God rescues him. He even is thrown overboard down into the ocean to die. And what does God do? No matter how far down we go, no matter how far down we try and hide from God, God's unrelenting grace is available and ready and ready to move in your life. The other thing about Jonah that is really fun to look at, and I mean that sarcastically, is that it shows us a heart and a life that's depraved. God says, get up and go, and he runs the other direction. In the text, literally, God says, go this way. And you know which direction he goes? That way. And they're in opposite directions. One of the, the ESV says that, uh, says it translates that he is running from the presence of God. And I think it's kind of ironic that a, pre- a prophet would run from the presence of God because he would know the psalm that says, where can I go, O Lord, to flee from your presence? Where can I go that you're not? If I go to the highest mountain, there you are. If I go to the deepest 
depths of Sheol, there you are. If I go west, I'll end up going east, and guess what? There you'll be. But no matter how far downward we go, that God is ready to rescue us. And the picture of this salvation oh, is beautiful. That In the midst of our broken hearts, our rebellious hearts, God is ready and willing to move and act and work in your life. I also see God working not only in Jonah's life, but I see God working in the lives of the sailors. Do you see it? Do you see how God is working in the lives of the sailors? Right? They, they go to Jonah. Ah, oh, here we go. Some more irony. Ready? The, the captain of the ship goes down to wake up Jonah. And he uses the same Hebrew word that God uses when he calls Jonah. Get up and go. And the sailor, the captain, goes down and says, how can you be asleep? Get up. And come and go. And I can't help but hear and know that Jonah is hearing God's voice over and over again. And God is working through the sailors to reach this man of God, this prophet, who is called by God. You see, the role of a prophet is not one that is uh, probably very fun, I would imagine. Um, Right? You either... (laughs) You've got lots of people that don't really like you as a prophet. Because as a prophet, most of us think the prophet is really going to tell us, foretell us what is happening in the future. But more often than not, the prophet calls people, God's people, back to the laws and the precepts that we are to live by. And I can't help but see the irony in And the captain saying to Jonah, get up. And he's calling him into action. It's time, let's go. And I love Jonah's testimony, right? His testimony is fairly simple, right? I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. It's fairly powerful for a, a group of sailors who are fighting for their lives because of this man, Jonah. That God is working in them and moving in them, these sailors, in spite of Jonah. It doesn't matter. God is going to use and work in the lives of those around us. Because God is working always. Pick me up. Throw me into the sea. And it will become calm, he says. Because it's my fault. It's my fault. They cast lots. And I don't know, and I don't know that the passage is definitive one way or the other, but we do see a life change in the sailors. Because they prayed, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. And in verse 16, it says, at this, after they witnessed the miraculous hand of God stopping and calming the seas, they feared the Lord and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him. God is at work in the lives of those around us 
Right? So if I think of myself as potentially someone like Jonah, then there are people in my family, in my sphere of influence that God is also working in. Am I going to hide from that work to participate with God in? Or am I going to proclaim the good news to those who need to hear and see it? Not only in their lives, but also in mine. Then, we go a little bit wider in scope. and We think of Nineveh. That God is also at work in Nineveh. (laughs) Even though Jonah doesn't want to go there. He doesn't want to go there for all sorts of wonderful reasons that make sense. Some, some have said, drive carefully, please. It's more important to drive carefully. <laughs> yes, some have said that. Um, some have called Jonah a racist prophet. And I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. But there was certainly some division because the Assyrians were awful people. They knew how to kill. They were masterful at it. There are arche- there's archaeological evidence that shows like, of dismembered bodies and parades. They used to go into cities and annihilate everyone except maybe one or two and send those two to the next city in their target list. By the time the Assyrians got to that next city, (laughs) it was vacant, gone. What I think Jonah is guilty of is theologically he can't combine two things in his mind. He desperately wants justice for evil done in the world. I want justice done for evil in the world. I desperately want these missionaries saved and those who captured them to be held accountable. But God's message to Jonah for the Ninevites is grace and mercy. And I don't think Jonah is ready for it. I don't think he's ready for Nineveh to say, Lord, we confess you are the true God. And he has trouble. So I could see him, rightfully so, wanting to go the other direction because of the theological dissonance in his life. And we may have theological dissonance in our lives, but the question is, what are we doing in that moment? The question is, what are we doing with questions that we have trouble with and and actions in the work that God is doing? Are we seeking the Lord or are we running away and hiding? Are we drawing closer to God's face to see truth And to experience grace? Or are we running and hiding? And I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're struggling with. But God does. And I hope and pray as we talked last week, there are 
four or five in your life who know that that are close by you and pick up the rhythms and the patterns of your life. That you might wrestle together because we're not designed to do this alone. We're not designed to (laughs) wrestle alone because it often leads to a downward spiral like Jonah. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. So I don't know where you are. If you are running and hiding from the Lord, and God is calling you to get up, and you're running the opposite direction, it's not going to work. I promise. I've tried. It doesn't work. God is relentlessly working in your life. God's also relentlessly working in the lives of those around you and calling you to be a testimony and example. For those in your family, maybe you work with them in your workforce. Maybe they're in your neighborhood. But God is calling you to be a living testimony in their lives. And then maybe, maybe there's another degree of work that God is doing. That God is working in your heart because maybe, like Jonah, you're just not ready to go to your enemy and proclaim the good news. Maybe there's enough of a wall that God is trying to break it down in your life first that you might respond by saying, Here I am, Lord. Use me.